Welcome to another episode of the Political Prisoner Podcast, produced by Look Ahead America. I'm your host, Matt Brainerd. Our political prisoner today is somebody who has already suffered uh, through his sentence and is taking what he experienced and putting that forward to something positive. And I think it sets a great example for the other people like him, uh, nonviolent people who were just in the wrong place at the wrong time uh, in a public building um, with no malevolent intent. So please welcome to our podcast, Daniel Goodwin. Daniel, where are we talking to you from? Uh, Right now I'm in Texas. Okay. So uh, tell us about what brought you to the Capitol on January 6th. What exactly you did that day? So um, on January 6th, um, I had been doing basically citizen journalism, doing videography and stuff of different things like Trump rallies. And, uh, you know, I was participating in various Stop the Steal events across the country, uh, including Sacramento, Phoenix, Atlanta, and uh, the earlier one in D.C., I want to say in November, not the December one. So I had already already done all that. And then, uh, you know, Trump tweeted out saying that, people should come. So that is why I went there. What, what happened on January 6th? What did you do exactly? So for me, um, I got there a little bit later. Um, and by the time I had gotten to the building, it was three thirty-three PM and any violence had already happened. So I didn't even realize that it had, I didn't see it. So I meandered into an open door was told by an officer to leave and that whole interaction lasted no more than 40 seconds. So, uh, I left the building and, uh, you know, the only other thing really was I talked on a megaphone for a little bit. I was telling people, Hey, the door's open. We should uh, go inside. And, you know, basically just like Trump was saying that we should peacefully and patriotically make our voices heard. Uh, and, uh, for that, I got, uh, charged with four misdemeanors. And then while I was in jail, they added on the 1512 felony obstruction charge that carries 20 years, the same one that Trump's got. And, uh, they tried to get me to plead to that. And I told them no. So I eventually pled down to a misdemeanor. Well, basically trespassing. Wait, so they told you you plead to this and you said no. And then they actually agreed to something lesser than that. That's right. Yeah. And it's usually the other way around. A lot of people, they, um, they don't like when you disagree to, to take a plea and they'll, which they're not really allowed to do this, but they'll add charges because of it in retaliation. And yeah. sometimes they'll threaten that in advance, which is even more egregious, but yeah. Well, um, so you, uh, so what were you, so you were in prison, you got sentenced to what exactly What was the sentence that you had to, uh, to suffer through? So $3,000 and two months in prison. Um, and then on top of that, one year of supervised release, which I'm in right now. How was your time in prison? So, uh, yeah, people ask me this. Um, my time in prison actually wasn't terrible compared to my time in jail when they first arrested me, which I was in there for 21 days, but they called COVID lockdown quarantine. I mean, which was basically solitary confinement. That was torture. So compared to that, the uh, low security prison time, especially knowing my end date when I'm going to get out, was a lot easier to go through. 
and it's bittersweet being out because you know, I know some other people who are having years long sentences who literally did nothing wrong. So, uh, yeah, that, that is something tragic. Um, what was it like your time in prison? I mean, w- just walk us through a little bit of the experience. What was the day to day like? So, uh, the main way I would describe it is extremely boring. It's the most boring thing ever. Um, you know, I, I wasn't in solitary for the prison part, so it wasn't quite as lonely. There was uh, three other J6ers that I was able to talk to from time to time. Uh, they were in different buildings than me, so I could only see them when we went out for rec or chapel or something like that. The food was the most bland food I've ever had. And in order to make it a little bit more edible, I would get from commissary stuff like chips and just crumble them into the food as seasoning. So, I mean, that's a couple of examples, but I wasn't really treated bad. Um, the staff, the inmates, basically everyone there um, was a Trump supporter, knew I shouldn't have been there. I would say maybe with the exception of the warden, who I didn't really have interaction with. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of the, the main thing. The, the only real, uh, I would say maybe the worst aspect is they basically mark us all down as terrorists somehow. So that means that we have extra scrutiny on all of our mail, all of our uh, phone calls and emails. Uh, so any communications we have will take longer, um, obviously not the phone, but uh, like it would be three weeks for a letter to get to me sometimes. Um, and, you know, multiple days long for an email to get to me. So when, uh, when you got out, you, you know, a lot of people sort of fade back into regular life as best they can, although it's, it's very difficult to do that with this a big red letter on you. Um, what did you decide to do after you got out? Well, actually, it's, it's, it's interesting. I kind of went the opposite way because um, the way I see it, you know, I got arrested the month of January 2021. And so I knew not to talk to the feds. And after I uh, got out of jail pre-trial, I really was practicing my Fifth Amendment right. And I also kind of had kind of a semi gag order on me for my release conditions. There's certain people I was not supposed to talk to, but it was vague about who that was. Um, So I've actually been really behind the scenes and quiet during that time, but I've been working on, uh, you know, video projects and stuff with stophate.com with David Sumrall. And ever since uh, my sentencing was over, I've been transitioning from my fifth amendment back into my first amendment and really trying to be an advocate for all these other January 6th patriots who are getting maliciously prosecuted and, uh, you know, wrongfully convicted. It's just really heartbreaking, especially when these people have families when they didn't do anything wrong and their kids are having to grow up without their dad, you know, something like that, which is a lot of, a lot of these people. So, I mean, if, if there was one thing that you wanted people to know who had, let's say, don't really know what's going on, don't really know the truth, what, what, would, that, what would that message to these people be? It would be that Joshua Matthew Black was shot in the face by a sniper cop before anyone started any pushing and shoving matches with any police 
on that day um, besides the first little fence falling over. Um, so basically peaceful crowd gets shot into and everyone's like, oh, well, you know, I don't like that this is happening to the nonviolent people, but you know, the violent people, maybe they deserve whatever. Well, I'm not saying I would, you know, promote or recommend that people do any violence or anything like that, but there is such a thing as self-defense and third person defense. Um, so, you know, if you see someone getting shot or a grenade thrown into the crowd or uh, someone being beaten and killed, those are all things that happened that day. I'm not myself going to be one of the people judging one of those people who, uh, you know, if you want to say retaliated, but if, if they were, you know, defending some of these people who are being brutalized by the police, I'm not going to be the one judging those people. So, um, tell me, I know that, you know, here, uh, a family of activists now, tell me a little bit about what your mother's getting involved in because she's, she's also fighting the good fight here. So my mom was, uh, basically retiring just before all this. And she's basically become a full-time activist now doing, um, I guess the first one would have been, she started off working with the Patriot mail project. And that's a great way for people to know maybe in your state, is there someone near you who could, you could write letters to who's in jail, who's in prison, either pre-trial or, um, after having gotten wrongfully convicted. Um, so they keep track of, you know, what's their inmate number, if they get moved from one jail to another, where are they now, one prison, uh, federal correction institute or whatever. So that's the first one. Then, you know, they started getting these letters back from the prisoners and they compiled uh, them into a book and they sold, started selling the American Gulag Chronicles letters from prison. So people can get that book for $45 and the proceeds go to support J6ers. You know, um, I, I think that's AmericanGulagChronicles.com. Yeah, I actually purchased two copies of that, and I was very impressed by the quality of it and the heartfelt messages uh, that it contained. It's it's authentic. It's uh, it reminds me of some of the other books of noteworthy individuals that are uh, consist of um, letters written from prison, famously, uh, most famously probably uh, Martin Luther King's um, letters from Birmingham. And I actually bought two copies because of my intention, I would encourage others to do this too, is to uh, submit a copy of it to your high school library. Insofar as anybody yeah. really uses their high school libraries anymore, um, and they're not just internet cafes now, but uh, I think it's, a, it's an important book. It's an important part of our history. Like um, a lot of other dark moments in our history, it doesn't benefit us to look away from it. Um, so Yeah, well, I think they only like the, um, the porn to be in the uh, the kids' library, so you might have to put it in a regular library. But yeah, people should buy them and put them in libraries. There's also a sequel coming out, and that one's going to be focused on the artwork from the from the Gulag. Um, so a couple other things she's involved with is she has a chat room for all the um, family members of other J6ers, so we're able to have solidarity with each other. And then she also has J6 Patriot News, and that's uh, how people can keep up to date with what's going on with the other J6ers. So. Yeah, PatriotMailProject.com uh, and uh, G6PatriotNews.com. So there's a lot of stuff my mom's been doing, a lot of stuff I've been doing with uh, StopHate.com. And uh, the latest thing we put out is called 1,000 Days of Terror, 1,000DaysOfTerror.com. That is a little bit like a five-minute uh, movie that we made showing uh, basically how everything started on January 6th, and it's 1,000 days after January 6th, that was October 3rd. That just happened. So 
this is um, kind of a teaser for the J6 A True Timeline documentary that we're going to put out very, very soon. And that is going to be uh, pretty thorough. So people are definitely going to want to watch that one. That's fantastic. So let's say somebody wants to support your work. How would they do that? Um, If someone wants to find my fundraiser, they can go to my website, danielgoodwin.com and click on the link to my gifts and go. Um, That is uh, set up by my mom. And then uh, we also at stophate.com slash J6 have the calls to action for how to help uh, J6ers. And one of those is the fundraisers. So you can also find mine from there. But we also tell people to write letters. We also tell people to pray, you know, write your congressperson, et cetera. So there's a lot of calls to action there. And we have the links to our documentaries and the book on that site, too. So, look, um, if, are you, is, do you have any presence on social media where people can also follow you and, and stay up to date with what you're doing? What's the best way to do that? Yeah. So um, if you go to Stop Hate, we have a um, follow us page where you can find the social media there that I work there. And then also if you go to my website, danielgoodwin.com, I have my social media accounts there also for my personal uh, one to follow. And then I also have SF for San Francisco, sf.criminal.com. And that is, I used to live in San Francisco. I'm going to be moving back at some point. Um, that is my free speech activism. So that's what I was doing leading up to January 6th. Okay, got it. Look, I'm grateful to you for joining us today. Please give our best to your mom. She's doing fantastic work. Again, I can't emphasize the quality of the work in that Gulag book, American Gulag. And I would encourage, again, everybody, please uh, pick up a copy and pick up a second copy for somebody else. Um, It's a a sad and tragic book. but very well done, a coffee table book. That's a good conversation starter that I encourage you to share with others. It's nothing quite um, as heartbreaking as seeing a child's letter to uh, a parent who's being held not for what they did, but for what they believe. I want to thank you for joining us. And also our audience, please um, continue to support people like our guest, as well as Look Ahead America. You can do that at lookaheadamerica.org. And we look forward to bringing many more podcast to you, uh, exposing what's happening to these individuals and giving them a chance to tell their story without interruption or without some contrary narrative uh, trying to interfere with them speaking their truth. This is Matt Brainerd with Look Ahead America. America first, America forever.